Welcome into episode 236 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Ball Demand Percussion, the creators of the super cool junk hat. This company was founded by two professional drummers, both of which happen to be bald. Their award-winning product is the junk hat, and this is a completely new accessory item. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's made of wood, metal, and it's got some chains. You can play it like a hi-hat, or you can put it in a snare drum stand. It's super unique and should inspire a lot of new creative ideas. It's simulating electronic hand clap sound, but all done acoustically. If you want to check out more, go to their Instagram or Facebook pages. That is at Ball Demand Percussion. Check out, they have videos there of Tony Royster Jr., Matt Chamberlain, Thomas Bridgen, Chris Dave, and a bunch of other people. Mike and I both checked out the Junk Hat at the NAMM show this past year. Had a lot of fun with it. I have one here in my studio that we're going to be demoing in a later episode in a full product review section. All of these are handcrafted by Ballman Percussion in Nashville, Tennessee, and they will ship worldwide. For a limited time, if you use the code Modern Drummer, they'll give you 10% off on any order. So go to baldmanpercussion.com, use the code Modern Drummer, get 10% off. Get yourself one of these, they're super fun. All right, let's get the show rolling. You know, why did it take almost 300 episodes for us to have an intro that was you and I playing together? <laughs> yeah, we've been afraid of it, I think. <laughs> Honestly, it just never even occurred to me that while we were looking for music for our intro that both of us played drum set. <laughs> <laughs> so I, should I explain what I did with that? So if any of you, that is the exact same audio from last week where we demoed the, the sugar percussion snares. Yes. Um, and if any of you have Ableton Live... There's a cool feature where you can take any audio file and convert it into MIDI. You can convert it into chords, you can convert it into melody, you can convert it into drum uh, programming. So wow. that's all I did. I just converted it to the melody feature. I put, um, I, I maybe dropped it an octave and put a parameter to make it just like a minor key so it wasn't giving us a bunch of weird chromatic notes. Okay. That's it. So we have an automatic bass player that just lines up with our bass drums. <laughs> That's so cool. And so it keeps both of our tracks and then adds another track? It just creates or a whole new MIDI track that you can then manipulate. Okay. You can delete notes. You can add notes. You can shorten the notes. Gotcha. It just, it just opens up like a MIDI file that's just locked in. I mean, it's not 100%. There's definitely some weirdness sure. you have to edit out. But it's just a tool for inspiring. I mean, I've done that a bunch where I'll, I'll use that and put like really strange ambient um, instruments on it so it just makes the drums sound like they're in some weird space so anyway that's what we did for that so the bass playing was provided by ableton live <laughs> that's awesome i'd honestly rather you not use my drumming without paying me royalties so you talk to md figure this out but no it is nice to, it's very nice to not have to deal with royalties it's like well we did it so i can ask you you cool with it and you can ask me you cool with it and then we're good hey am i supposed to get paid from this podcast <laughs> what no i don't what you're weird all right let's get into it how are you bud week two of quarantine i guess yeah i've kind of lost track i think it's week two i feel mm-hmm. like i this is week one of full time for me last week the office was sort of partial shutdown so i was still going in but you know keeping my distance this week Everyone's working from home, getting reused to a whole new system. It's funny, 15 years of the way we even just share files, it's like, oh, what do we do now? That server is no longer there. You mean for Modern Drummer? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, whole new learning curve. I feel like I'm more efficient now, but I'm not leaving my kitchen at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, as far as you're in Jersey, right? Yeah. As far as leaving the house, do you feel any awkwardness being out and about? Do you are you different with people? Like if you like if you go to the grocery store, are you hmm. do you look at the little thing where you put your credit card a little different and you try to touch it as little as possible? <laughs> that is How has it affected question. you? No, because I think we're you know, we're twenty miles west of the city, so it's it's mm-hmm. not as congested. But it was okay. really kind of serene to go to the grocery store usually it's chaos on a normal day so we were expecting it to be chaos times a thousand but our local grocery store was actually kind of mellow and they they were fully stocked with everything and lines weren't super crazy so in that regard it's kind of normal 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, just took the dogs for a walk in the park, and that's still kind of similar. But people are definitely taking longer loops around, <laughs> so there's no right. chance of brushing up against anyone. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, I don't like that paranoia. That's kind of weird. No, I mean, I, I there's been a few people that I just wanted to stop and just say, look. You can still make eye contact. Right. We can still be cordial. <laughs> it's all good. Like if I if I'm coming up on you and I hear you maybe twenty paces out go and then hold your breath to get past me, it's like I'm not gonna sneeze on you. Gosh. Let's just make some cordial contact. Like, hey, what's up? I will say this though. I am I'm wondering what's it gonna be like the first time that let's say everything's all clear, everything's good, we're back to normal. And someone goes and reaches for a handshake. Do you kind of think twice? Like, is it going to be weird to, to give someone a bro hug? I'm a hugger. Like, I mm. hug people at NAM, knowing, like, all right, I'm going to get sick, but that's just part of it. I wonder how much will be changed when all this is over. Well, I mean, isn't the theory that we'll be immune for at least a year from it? Um, no, I just mean, will it just be awkward to have physical contact with with strangers, you know, I'm so used to like, Welcome like, oh, hey, world, how's it going, man? man? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've given, I mean, so if somebody serves me a good cup of tea, I stand up and give him a hug. I'm like, that was some badass tea. And so <laughs> I tell you, it was it's, a culture shock moving to New Jersey where everything is kind of Italian influenced. So, okay. so much hugging and like cheek kissing and I'm cheek like, kissing. Yeah. I don't even hug my mother, but on like Christmas and her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and even then my eyes face the ceiling and I'm not really not, I'm not fully committed to the hug. I don't I know that you, I'm going to be shaking many hands for a while. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be different I had to do for that sure. For the first time last week, someone came in for a handshake and I had to just put my fist out like, yeah. You hit me. Yeah, and then, and the whole rest of the day, I was like, I need to wash this hand. It was a weird <laughs> paranoia. It I had is? like two hours yeah. of like, I, I haven't gotten to wash my hand yet. Don't scratch mm-hmm. your face. Don't bite your Don't touch your face. Yeah, and then like you feel your nose kind of running a little bit. And you're like, no, not now. Oh, not now. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's different times for sure. I mean, obviously, we talked about this a little bit last week. My life really, uh, besides going grocery shopping, hasn't changed at all. I've been sitting in a room making videos for a very long time and I'm, I'm very as an only child I'm very comfortable with my one man company and so things haven't changed very much but I was just telling you before we jumped online how cool it is that some of the people in the Mike's Lessons family are reaching out now saying hey I know that this student is about to cancel his or her subscription because they can't afford it can I pay for three months of them and it's like that's what I'm talking about like yeah, like let's just do some things to help um, uh, my even Karen's Bakery, which is – I think you've been there. It's right upstairs mm-hmm. from our place. They they switched their entire business model overnight because Karen – if you've been to Folsom, then you know that Karen runs Old Town Folsom. I am a peon. I am a nothing in this town compared <laughs> to Karen Holmes from Karen's Bakery. She runs the town. We all ask her for permission if we can install a new light bulb or a light fixture. <laughs> she runs the town. And like the boss that she is – just in a day, she made a decision. All right, new business model. Karen's Bakery is now a grocery store. We um, are going to okay. take advantage of the fact that we have access to fresh produce and eggs, and, and even yeah. And we're and we're and you can order all of your supplies online. You can get milk, eggs, butter, whatever you need. Whatever she's always had access to buying in bulk, and then she is not marking them up. Like a dozen eggs is two dollars. Hmm. And so, and you just buy them online. Come by. They meet you out in their front patio. Hand it off to you. You've paid online. Everything's great. I went up there yesterday. I bought – I didn't know there was only $2 for a dozen eggs. So I was like, here's $100 towards eggs. So the next $100 worth of eggs, <laughs> it's not for me. It's it's on whoever comes in to get oh, eggs. It's okay. on me. Like, yeah, I didn't, yeah, no, I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> no, I, I was like, here's $100 towards the next batch of eggs for other people. Okay. Because uh, I figure if you're coming there to get eggs, you're probably in need. Maybe grocery shopping is a little too tough for you. Maybe you're elderly and you don't want to wait in those lines. So and then I was like, oh, by the way, how much how much are eggs? I was thinking like six bucks because everything's organic up oh, yeah. there. And she's like, uh, two dollars for a dozen. I'm like, I just bought f- fifty dozen eggs. Like, <laughs> g- give me give me twenty back. Like, I don't need th- I don't need to buy that many eggs for people. So uh, so oh, yeah. So, so there's your limit to your, to your to my, yeah. Well, I was like, God, that's a lot of eggs. So if you're in Old Town Folsom and you want some free eggs, I, there's probably like $75 worth of credit still on the egg <laughs> cart over at Karen's Bakery. So swing on through. All right. Let's oh, get man. into our podcast today. 
So I'm excited about this. We had so many things in this podcast that were already set aside. They were going to happen. And then other parts of the podcast triggered new topics. You and I were going to speak about notation and breaking down the visual aspect of notation, which we will definitely do next week. But because of our featured artist and one of his videos, it triggered a totally different conversation naturally, which was, what the hell is a shuffle? Mm -hmm. Because... He put up a video that said Vinny inspired shuffle and it was straight eights on the hi-hat and it was like, well, is this a shuffle? So do you want to play that audio first? Um, or not? Why don't we don't talk care. about Tommy Harden first? <laughs> why? It's education before featured artist. We literally had a 45-minute pre-production meeting. I'm not, I'm not even talking And we to you both right now. agreed that we would start with Tommy Harden because it would Did transition into the educational segment. <laughs> Why do I make notes? <laughs> because oh, I, everyone, this is what I'm dealing with every week. I'm an only child. If it doesn't benefit me directly, I don't care. I literally so, saw my words go in one ear and out the other. Oh, my God. I've heard Amber <laughs> say that so many times. Okay. I'd really like to talk about our featured artist, Tommy Doesn't Harden. Doesn't it make sense, everyone, that we talk about the man who inspired the education segment before we talk about the education segment and then talk about the man? Don't that do is. this. Don't do this. <laughs> it's it's trying times, Dawson. You don't want to – don't don't – don't do it. Okay, here's a Tommy <coughs> Harden groove. It is called <laughs> Vinny Inspired Shuffle Pocket. <laughs> talk about the man or are we going to talk about the groove how about both let's do mm. a little intro on who tommy is first where that thing came from and then we'll focus on that particular beat love it and then we'll drop in some other stuff how about that that was that was our that could have been our pre-production <laughs> all right tommy, you and i went through nine different tangents all right tommy. tommy harden is in the current issue the one with glenn kochi on the cover we went down to his home studio in Nashville and got some, you know, inside scoop on how he's doing a lot of his work there. So if you have the issue, check it out. If you, if you don't have the issue, it's on the website in the April 2020 segment. Tommy is a longtime session vet. He moved to Nashville in 1991. So he's been making records for a long time. Uh, big records. And he was touring with Reba McIntyre for a really long time. I believe he's been playing with Alabama a bit. And then whenever he's not on the road, he's back in the studio. So his track record is massive. Uh, there's quite a few songs that he played on that I play on gigs often. The drums are amazing. If I had to describe his drumming, it's just powerful, direct, you know, just straight to the point kind of drumming. Mm. Um, so anyway, I've got a bunch of audio here. So you want to listen to that one again, or do you want to go to the other ones first? Let's go to the other ones first, and then we will leave off. We'll, we'll revisit the Vinny-inspired shuffle, and then we can take off on our education section. All right, so if you go to Tommy Harden's YouTube page, he has put up a bunch of stuff. There's some cool educational things where he talks about how he gets his high snare sound, his medium snare sound, his low gushy snare sound, how he tunes his toms, his bass drum. Um, but then there's a bunch of stuff of him just playing grooves, I guess, from sessions. So the first one we've got here is, let's do Grand Casa Pocket Sixteenths.
funny. It's so organic, yet it doesn't even sound like a human could play it yeah. that flawless. It's not a loop. That's him. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't believe us, go to his YouTube channel because you can just watch the video. Like, <laughs> yeah. this audio is taken from the actual video, so you can watch him, and there's no loop. It's just him. He's playing like a God. giant like concert bass drum with nothing in it. Sounds gorgeous. And then I believe he's got um, – he's an Yamaha artist, and he's got one of their brass snares tuned super low. The video, you definitely need to see the video because he's, he's not even hitting that hard. Just so much sound. I love players like this where like it's deceiving how little they're actually doing and how big the sound is. Yeah. And his his personal mixing board is fantastic because there's a couple of these grooves where you can really see the difference in stick height between his hi-hat and his snare drum. He'll have yeah. this huge fat backbeat and then his hi-hat is maybe an inch like of space between the stick and the hi-hat. It's it's really like I don't think he was going for it because I can't imagine that somebody this obsessed with audio really cares that much. But his video angle is kind of awesome for just studying someone's pocket. Oh, true, yeah, because it's kind of low and out in the front, so you can see. Yeah, I kind of feel like he was like, I don't know, I'll just put the video camera there. (laughs) Right. But it actually works really well to be like, wow, I can really see what you're doing, Um, and I, it's it's a cool perspective for sure. And I think he even has one of his. He for a while he's doing something like called Five Minute Mondays, and we're talking like. This is years back he was doing this. Thing. Oh, yeah. No, he's a YouTube vet, man. This yeah. guy had a YouTube channel back in the day. And I have I had actually seen his YouTube stuff maybe, oh, God, I don't know, like 2008 through 2011, somewhere around there uh, yeah, he when goes, he was doing yeah, – 11 years ago he was, when he started. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So I, I remember seeing that stuff and he was one of the first guys that did a video on playing to a click. Yes. And right. I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And he was making it a segment by calling it Five Minute Mondays. And I was not doing that at that time. It was just, uh, I, I mean, I still don't do that. But he was one of the first guys I remember th- saying, hey, just so you know, you can count on me every Monday to be here. Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool thing. Um, yeah, so, I think, yeah, I've, I think I've, one of them was on um, dynamics and bringing your hi hat level down. So that's, if you go through his, his feed, you'll find that one. All right, let's do another one. This is. 16th note fat snare pocket. So this Great is names. a Yamaha kit, full kit. This speaks to what I've been telling my students for probably three to four years now. If you want to work, put up things that drummers don't care about, but producers will lose their mind over. Yep. I mean, if, if you are always uploading stuff like that, yeah, maybe you won't have the biggest drum following, but everyone that does follow you will hire you. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a record. That sounds like – absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and sure. it's, uh, it's annoying because it's like, okay, I – I don't know what it takes microphone-wise to get a drum set to sound like that, but it's this beautiful combination of close mics and room mics that I can't quite solve the mystery of. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people think like 
that I use two mics to buck the trend. I use two mics because as soon as I get a third in, I can't figure anything out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's phase-ish. I'm done. That's it. So uh, it's – I mean that that sounds like – it doesn't sound overly direct. It's not like sampled. But I also know that if you just had room mics, you mm. can't get that it, that focused sound because yeah. that's what I have. Uh, that I mean that's just beautiful. So let's do um, – before we get to the shuffle one, let's do Southern Rock Diddy. These names are epic. <laughs> It's like he's this combination of our guy, Matt Chamberlain, and who's your session guy that you really love, the Nashville guy? Shannon. Um, Shannon Forrest. Yeah. Yeah, he's Matt Forrest. Matt Forrest. <laughs> yeah, because in that one, he's playing over to loops, and it's just so seamless. You can't, you can't hear any air, and there's no editing. There's no, no trickery to get in. I mean, it's, it's seamless. That tambourine is just like right locked in with his hi-hat and ghost notes. So you said you guys visited him in Nashville. So what's he doing right now? Is it mostly sessions from home? Yeah. And I don't mean right now, right now, but I just mean in the last couple of years. Well, I mean, he's one of the rare few that still gets called to go to all the rooms in the city down there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think him, like everyone else, having a, a good sounding room of your own just makes the off days even more. I mean, you can, you can do sessions in the off time. Yeah, I think he's doing more and more stuff at his own place, just like everybody else. But he is also one of the rare that still gets called to go to the Ocean Ways and Blackbird and all that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and yeah, if you guys haven't visited Nashville, or even if you have, if you haven't been lucky enough to take a little tour of the studios, it's it's actually shocking how many recording studios there are there. And these are like big kid recording studios with massive consoles and great live rooms and. Uh, I was at one called the the tracking room, mm-hmm. and I mean they even have like a separate room with probably like a three story ceiling. It's the size of a vocal booth, but it's like a tower. It's got like a three story ceiling, and it's all rock, and that's just their re- reverb mm-hmm. chamber. And they put a mic in there, and you know, so uh, those things still exist. They're still in business, <laughs> and they hire drummers. And but it's it's a it's a tight knit group. I mean, you must have had to make the decision at some point in your life. Do you want to go to Nashville, L.A., Atlanta, and become a session drummer? Um, yeah, I mean, when I was... But it's such a tight-knit group, you know? At that point, when I was making that decision, Nashville seemed already kind of locked in. Like, I didn't see right. much space for That's me. what I mean by a tight-knit group. Like, the fact that someone as proficient at the instrument as you thought, like, oh, I don't know if there's enough space for me in Nashville. It's, yeah. it's not because you're not good enough. It's just like... It's the networking aspect. Do I have enough time and money to buy me three years of networking before I get my first opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm so bad at that. Like, nah, that's not me. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I could totally see you calling me a year and a half in and be like, so what have you been up to? Like, I'm just sitting around the apartment. Like, <laughs> Mike, get out there. Eh, eh. I'm so bad at that. I do not like just hanging and like randomly like, hey, let's go make music sometime. I just don't. I've never been able to do it. If there's not a reason for me to be there, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I Love it. All right. So now let's get into what triggered our conversation about what is a shuffle. So uh, Tommy uploaded a video just in the same group of all of these. And it says Vinny inspired shuffle pocket. And I immediately thought like, oh, cool. I don't know what that really means. I clicked on it, and immediately I heard a DC go-go beat. Mm. I heard a little Chuck Brown going on. Um, and then it made me think, okay, well, this isn't what my brain originally thought of when I read the title of Shuffle. 
So then I asked Mike, like, what is a sh- what do you think a shuffle is? What what does it need to be to be a shuffle? So let's listen to the groove and then we'll break it down. might be practice pad part two <laughs> this might be pad gate i first want to say that snare drum sound is insane yeah that's it's incredible magical. anyway and like i said he has tutorials on how to how to tune for those sounds it's not like there's any secrets he just tunes the drums but he just knows the sound that he's going for and knows how to hit it i mean that is just that's insane. i think the key is is he knows how to hit it like i said as soon as you watch him play you can just almost study his stick heights and his consistency and it's just like, oh, okay, you're a professional session drummer. Yeah. There's there's something – we know when we see it. When you go even just to a random bar and it's like, all right, there's something different. That drummer is a professional gigging drummer. Mm-hmm. Like he knows or she knows how to gig and some people just know how to be session players. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an art for sure. So to me, my initial brain says that's not a shuffle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I start to ask myself, well, what is a shuffle and what does it mean to shuffle? Mm-hmm. I think if I, as a private drum teacher, if somebody asked me a basic shuffle, it would require the first and third note of a grouping of triplet to be displayed somewhere in a repetitive pattern. So one and a two and a three and a four and a one. So in that, and that, the reason why I think that that's. Talk to me, Remy. Talk to me, Remy. Don't hold back. Is that Remy? Yeah, he's going to be going for a minute here. The mailman showed up. <laughs> for a minute. He's such a cliche. Shuffle that bar, fool. <laughs> I'll, I'll mute him. You can keep going. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's super easy to talk over. Okay. <laughs> can you mute him for real? <laughs> okay, so I think the reason why I think that... <clears throat> It's not because of some random text that I read a long time ago that says this is a shuffle. I think it's because as a private drum teacher, I was teaching jazz swing and shuffles. And I had to differentiate differentiate between the two. Hmm. And why is this thing on the jazz ride pattern, why is it not a shuffle, but now this is a shuffle? And so the repetitive grouping of triplets with the middle note missing one and a two and a three a four a one became the shuffle that i described and then breaking it up with one two a three four a one became this the jazz ride pattern so i think that's why it's stuck in my head that you need that somewhere i think it's stuck in the global conscious mind especially on in social media that that thing that shuffled rhythm has to be displayed on the hi-hat I, Look at you I trying just, to mute. I, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. Let me hear it frustrated Dawson. Just give me one yell like, Remy! It, it doesn't work. Though. Oh, it doesn't? No. Because I, I drop that all the time. Judo! <laughs> okay, so what you're saying on the hi-hat, in my mind, the jazz ride pattern is a shuffle pattern. Okay. So I would say that in the jazz ride pattern, it shuffles – but I wouldn't call it a shuffle because I – and now I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm saying how I've always thought of it. That's why I wanted to have this discussion is – the other thing is we're, I'm always thinking in that, in that world of – talk to me, Remy. Get it, son. <laughs> God, he's almost 12. You think he would chill out. 
oh, he's going to get more neurotic as the years go on. Are you kidding? The dog's going to lose half his hearing and start hearing ghosts around. All right. So so I'm always thinking from the perspective of passing information on to someone else, how can I make this simple to understand? If somebody tried to get in a battle with me and said, okay, so the jazz ride pattern isn't a shuffle, I wouldn't say no, but I also need to – Make sure mm. that my student doesn't go into jazz band and drop a, an actual ding, da ding, da ding, da ding, da ding during a jazz tune. Um, I don't mm. want that. I don't want them shuffling on the ride constantly right. while trying to play, you know, kind of blue. So, so I have to separate those two. So I think of it uh, is: does it swing or does it not swing? Right. If it swings, and I think that's where it's coming yeah. from a shuffle feel, which is what I said when we before we started recording. I think of. The shuffle defines your interpretation of eighths or sixteenths for me versus any kind of a specific thing that you play. If you right. swing the eighths or swing the sixteenths, depending on the tempo, it falls into – for me, it falls into the book of shuffle wing. Right. So and I, I guess I've always left shuffle as a noun. It's a thing. And then I've left that, what you're mm. talking about, the adjective to shuffle to me was does it swing or does it not swing? Um, mm, and okay. because I could play any groove, I mean, we could take that same groove that Tommy played, straighten it out, and now it has nothing to do with swing or shuffle. It'd just be a groove, right? Right. But he's making any note that falls in between the eights, he's making it later than being equidistant. And as he pushes those notes back, it starts to shuffle or starts to swing. But that's what caught me off guard was he labeled the groove a shuffle. And I was thinking, like, well, I wouldn't argue against it. It does shuffle. And But I think for me, you and I differ in this one point. You said if I played quarters on the hi-hat and two and four on the snare, but one of the kicks was swinging, Mm -hmm. then it falls into the shuffle category. Totally. For me, I I feel that the pattern has to be repetitive somewhere. So you could have a shuffle that has quarters on the hi-hat. Two and four on the snare, but the kick would have to be going dun 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 dun. dun okay, dun, I've got to drop in a, a tune then. What about Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs? Take your time. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> All right, we're going to drop it in. Okay, now now we hit the gray area. Yeah. By the way, is. I gotta say we're doing way better than we did with the pad thing. The pad <laughs> thing got personal. <laughs> At least this time we're trying to understand each other's opinion. Okay, so I would absolutely call the song a shuffle. I don't know that I'd call the drum groove a shuffle. Wow, how do you differentiate? Well, because the song is shuffling. The song is going boom to doon to doon to doon to doon to doon. Um. The groove, if we got rid of the song, is just swinging. Hmm. But I don't know. It, it's okay. So I think when you shuffle into the backbeat, that's that gray area where if if you play ding 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 on the ride, but ding ding ka ding ka ding ka, then I'm like, hey, it's pretty consistent. <laughs> You're kind of shuffling. But if no, I will say this: if I saw that notation. Yeah. I would not tell somebody that's a shuffle. I would say that groove swings. I, mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from, but then I'm like, this is like the definitive shuffle of the past 50 years. <laughs> and I guarantee if someone covered this song on a gig and the drummer didn't know the song, the drummer would shuffle to this song. Yeah, they play like a heavy like Chicago shuffle or something. Yes, they wouldn't know to play what this drummer's playing. Um yeah, this is that's and that's why I wanted to talk about it because I don't think that Tommy was wrong in labeling it a shuffle, but I also think like I don't. I, what I told you was if he uploads that right now to Instagram and calls it a shuffle, <laughs> they will lose their mind. <laughs> Instagram will shut down for the day because that becomes like no, no, no. The shuffle has to be this halftime thing where you're playing mm. the shuffle feel on the hi hats, and it's like I don't agree with that. I just think that's. Our global consciousness has kind of moved to that, like, oh, I've just seen that so many times, whether it be Picaro, Purdy, Ashstone, uh, it, it becomes a shuffle. I mean, so, I think we're ultimately revealing that 
the education by its nature can sometimes be too black and white. Like, I it's hard to agree teach more. gray area. You have to teach something before you can then say, well, that's not always the case. But mm-hmm. I mean, this, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's that a language. Group, it could have been, I mean, I think Vinny kind of considered that. What's that opening track from uh, Ten Summoner's Tales? Uh, the opening tune. That's whatever it is. I think he even referenced hip hop instead of a shuffle. So, right. But then hip hop, a lot of times shuffles. <laughs> See, and that's, I think where we differ, and it's a good thing, is you use the word shuffles the way I use swing. That groove swings, you say that yeah. groove shuffles. Because um, swing and straight are my two defining how do you interpret. How do you interpret one and a two and a three and a four? Or is it one and a two and a three? And it's like, well, one was straight and one swings. Okay, And so you could say one was straight and one shuffles. I think the, the, it's starting to become clear. If I'm going to say something swings, it has to be in a jazz idiom. Ah, If it's a backbeat okay. thing, then it's a shuffle. And that is definitely from growing up near D.C. and having a lot of go-go and funk and fusion all kind of intermingling and it's like yeah if someone says this one swings then i'm on a gig i'm like all right well i'm gonna play jazz but they say this one shuffles i'm gonna play a backbeat and it's gonna be funk okay kind of thing now i think we're getting to the root of it and i dig it i dig it i fully fully understand that for sure and yeah i think the the situation determines what's going on absolutely there there are people when they say it swings I know what they do for a living. Like I, well, I don't mean. I'm not talking about swinging. I'm just saying that I know. I know what instrument they play. It's like okay, you're a horn player. You do jazz gigs. When you say swing, I know what we're talking about. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's a. Uh, but if if my bass player came in here and said, yeah, we're just going to swing this groove a little, at no point would I think he was talking about jazz because I know he doesn't play jazz. Ah, see, so that, yeah, this, so that's that's the issue I had growing up in the DC area because. A lot of times what they would call a jazz gig was just an instrumental funk gig. Uh, so oh, I yeah. Would, like, hey, sure. we got a jazz gig down at the, the bar in downtown. I'm like, cool. And I would bring like my jazz drums. Like, wait a minute. We're playing all of like late Miles Davis stuff. This is right. funk without a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. It's those, like, but then, well, we don't but have a singer, so it's a jazz gig. But there'd always like, be no. one or two tunes in the set where we would actually swing. So that'd be, you know, hey, we're going to swing this one. Cool. I'm going to play jazz, like traditional jazz, gotcha. rather than wow. play with the 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 uh, go-go. Interest. I think, if anything, it just speaks to how important it is to be as well-versed as possible because this stuff is going to come at you in so many different ways. And, it, and really, when you think about the musical communication you're going to need to deal with as a gigging drummer or eventually as a professional drummer – you're not going to be talking to drummers ever. You will always be the only drummer in the room. So you need to be able to interpret what somebody else means. The reason you have to go on a deep dive of funk is because there's 50 subgenres of funk and you need to be able to interpret what your singer, songwriter, producer is asking for when they say, give me a funk groove. And mm-hmm. it's like, cool, let's go a little deeper. Are we talking gap band or are we talking tower of power? Both funk bands, but very different styles of drumming. <laughs> yeah, very different. And same thing, if like if my producer is a hip hop producer and he says, Yeah, man, can you just make it swing a little? At no point am I gonna go, he'd be like, What are you doing? Like, what? So it's important to be able to interpret what they're saying and what they actually mean when they say like somebody will you and I think I think we've discussed this on the podcast before lightly, but somebody will always at some point in your professional career, some will say, just give me like a Latin thing. Mm, yeah. And sure. you have to interpret what that means. And we have discussed that that means something syncopated on the bell, acrostic, <laughs> and two tom hits. <laughs> that's what they mean. Whether they know what they're talking about or not, that's what they mean. But it's like an acoustic, low-volume piano thing. They're going to mean bossa nova, and if you go into your totally, they have <laughs> funky yep. thing. They're going to be like, "Hey, man, chill hey, it out." What? I didn't mean we're going to Cuba. I just meant like girl from Ipanema. It's like, well, then why didn't you just say bossa nova? Why don't you just say elevator bossa nova? Oh, That's all I need. Love so, it. all right, I think we, I think we got down to the nitty gritty on that one. All well, right, we can thank Tommy Harden for inspiring that, and please go subscribe to his YouTube page. He hasn't updated anything in a while, but there's a lot of stuff there, and I think he's pretty consistent on Instagram. I don't remember his handle, but you can find him. It's Tommy Harden, H A R D E N. 
I guarantee if he gets a couple thousand subscribers on YouTube today, he'll be making a new video tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, damn. Got all right. time on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this episode is brought to you by Ballman Percussion, the creators of the Junk Hat. This company was founded by professional drummers in Nashville, Tennessee. Both of them happen to be bald. Um, and they will ship their handcrafted junk hats worldwide. If you go to baldmanpercussion.com, use the limited time code of Modern Drummer, all one word, Modern Drummer. They'll give you 10% off on any order. Um, the junk hat is super cool. Mike and I both checked it out at NAMM show. I've had one in my studio for a while, and, it, and it's really inspiring. I used it on a few sessions when I was doing an Americana thing, and I wanted a sort of rattly chain kind of extra layer to my backbeats that sort of sound electronic but it was all acoustic it's basically like a, a junkyard hi-hat they might not like me describing it that way but that's what it reminded me of you can you play it like a hi-hat with your foot you can also play it with sticks it's super fun go to uh, Baldman percussions instagram page or facebook page you can see some videos that uh, they have tony royster's playing it thomas bridgen chris dave matt chamberlain Really inspiring piece. We'll definitely return to it for a full product review in a later episode. But for now, go to baldmanpercussion.com. And if you're looking to order one, use the code Modern Drummer, and they will give you 10% off. All right, so let's get into gear. Now, gear is a little bit different this week. Uh, we're trying to answer some questions, especially since this is – talk to me, Remy. Since this is what I've been doing for most of my career, at least over the last decade, we're going to talk about streaming – and how to network with other musicians, your students in these times where you might be stuck at home. And you said that you had a question to start this whole thing off. I did. Um, or a listener question. Yes. Gosh, my dog just totally distracted me. <laughs> uh, I even muted him. <sighs> I don't know. Can you just can you just go with it? <laughs> here it is this came in from anthony um the lesson academy i teach out of is momentarily transitioning to virtual lessons i've never given or taken a virtual lesson before what are some tips for executing a great one-on-one -on -one online lesson so that's one part of the segment okay the other part of the segment i think we should focus on is what if you want to start streaming live online sure what kind of yeah. gear should you consider Okay, so let's get into Anthony's question first. When you're dealing with this, now you can use Zoom or Skype are probably going to be your two best options, most reliable options, and they're both very similar. Um, what I would tell you is those two systems were not built for this. They were not built for online drum lessons, or and, and really nothing has ever been built for it. If you think about the way I do it, even though I've got five you know, cinema cameras and this is all we do for a living – still not back and forth. Mm -hmm. I'm sending out a stream, but I don't get to see you. So with Skype and with Zoom, what I would encourage you to do is make these one-on-one -on -one lessons way more informative and do not try to jam with your students. It will not work. It, you're, there's going to be latency issues. You're relying so heavily on their internet speed for it to work. Instead, use it what it was built for. It was built to be a conferencing technology so talk to your students. Ask them to show you some things. Uh, you know, Ask to see their grip. You can do that great. And ask them what they're practicing. Give them a list of things to practice. For God's sakes, use the GrooveScribe. It's free. Yeah. Send them GrooveScribe links. I do that in my lessons often. It's like if we're working on a new beat and they don't quite understand it orally, I'm like, here, here's a link. Go check it out. All the time. Totally. It works great. So yeah. So And if you don't, just go to Mike'sLessons.com and click on Apps. And click on GrooveScribe. You don't have to sign up for anything. It's free for everybody, but it's a great tool for teachers. So use that. But I think for the most part, you want to use Skype and Zoom for conferencing and for checking in on your students and asking them, are you struggling with anything? Is there anything you're not understanding? And then maybe give them a list of things to practice. So I think that's your best bet. You can definitely show them things, but don't try to do things with them. And so what I mean by that is there's nothing wrong with setting up your phone or your iPad or your laptop and having a pad and just showing them something and then stopping and then asking them, all right, let me see you do it. Mm -hmm. That's going to be your best way. Don't ask them to do it with you. The service will kind of freak out a little bit and both of your audio will get really bad. And like I said, there's going to be there's going to be some sort of latency issues. So it's it's better just to do it. 
demo, then they do it. I think that's going to be your best bet, and don't overcomplicate it. Do you know if there's something about the the volume of the audio if that overloads it? Because if I like if someone is talking to me on Skype, it's all good. If they hit a drum set, it's like they just obliterated everything. Yes, they're gone. Absolutely. And so, what I would recommend if you feel like you have to do something like that. A lot of times what I would say is, okay, I'm going to play this. I want you to play along with me while I do it, but mute your mic. And that way the student can hear you. Now, as the teacher, I won't be able to hear you. But as the student, you can hear me and your audio won't get weird. You'll hear me crystal clear. So you just kind of press the button, mute your mic while you play, and then unmute to talk. But I, I still think you're dealing with a lot of frustration, not to mention you're hoping that your ki- your student happens to be an 18-year-old guy or girl that knows technology, the reality is you're probably dealing with a 7-year-old whose parents don't know it and the kid doesn't know it. So yeah. you want to make it as simple as possible. Turn it on. It works. If it's frustrating, they, uh, by their third lesson, they'll stop doing it. So yeah. you want to make it fun. Um, it is weird. I think mean, it's about weird to be looking at someone in a tiny little square and that's your teacher. I, I, it's still weird for me. I mean, when I'm dealing with adults like that, it's fine. But I have you know younger students. It's... It's strange that I don't know how to break that barrier. Uh, by the way, the new um, firmware for the EAD10 has a talkback feature now, so you could awesome. potentially use just the EAD10 as your audio into your phone or your iPad. Just engage the talkback mic when you need to talk. Turn it off, and you can play and have it sound like drums rather than distorted iPhone mic. That's awesome. Pretty cool. I think that's wonderful. So that would be my suggestion for that. And the other thing is. Try your best not to overcomplicate the situation. Try your best to make it look as pro as you can. You're still trying to represent your business so that they come back to you. So think about your lighting. Turn. It's not very hard to turn on your camera and not stream anything, but just see what it looks like. You know, Have it facing you. See the screen and just think about your framing. What does your background look like? Do you have dogs? Uh, <laughs> Uh, think about all those things before you do this and really try to make it as pro as possible. Okay, so now let's talk about streaming. Yes, because everyone so, right now is like, okay, I'm stuck at home. I want to start streaming. I want to start performing. I want to put up lessons, live lessons, and have people interact with me. And yeah, that's like – it's wishful thinking. <laughs> well, it, there's a couple things going on that, that can be a little bit bad. Now, here's what I would say for – Obviously, overnight, we were flooded with how many people are now online teachers of everything. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with it. Cooking. My everything. tea company is sending me like <laughs> online matcha lessons. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> I can mix powder into water. <laughs> I'm fine. So we're all dealing with it. I do think it's a great time. A lot of our heroes have never been stuck at home before. So it's a great time for some of us to take advantage. If I had the chance to hit up one of my drumming heroes – or camera heroes or whatever, and just say, hey, can I pay for a Skype lesson? I really don't need them to be on a drum set. That's not what I want. I need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I need to ask their advice on, hey, none of us should be saying we don't know, we don't have enough stuff to practice. That's not the problem. <laughs> I would love to know from Weckel, from Vinny, from Dennis Chambers, how do you structure your practice? Now as a professional drummer, mm-hmm. how do you structure your practice? Maybe Vinny at 11 was a little closer to where I am right now. How did you structure your practice when you were 11? And I want to know those things. What were the <laughs> albums you listened to when you were 12? Can you because imagine that's probably 11 where I year old Vinny? What was he like? <laughs> he was smoking. He, <laughs> he was had smoking. a heater. He was smoking he had cigarettes. A <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He had a heater in his mouth, pushing up his glasses with his middle finger, and he was just <laughs> ripping in the shed and uh, <laughs> shedding for blood. And he, yeah. So anyway, so I think that with streaming, you're we're in a good place where it's very simple to do with um with a situation of like Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Now the cool thing with those things is if you want, you can do multi multicam streaming. You just have to have the hardware to do it. So probably your cheapest option for hardware is the Roland V. Dash one HD camera switcher, and that will allow you to plug in four HDMI cameras, and then your computer will read that as one signal, and then you're able to switch between four different angles. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
But keep in mind, you're on a drum set. So are you going to be the one switching those angles with your left hand? Or are you going to have a – because we have someone here that switches our camera angles for me while I'm out there teaching. Right. So you just have to think about that kind of stuff. That is possible. You can live stream. But I'm doing a live stream for Meinl on Instagram, and there will be no tech. It will be my phone, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And that's the whole thing. And it's just like, all right, well, then if that's the case, I'm going to think about my lighting, my framing Mm -hmm. uh, the best I can. And huge tip to everyone out there, stop looking at the screen. We can see when you're checking yourself out to see how you look (laughs) in that screen. Find the dot. It is the lens of your phone and stare at that. Never make contact with yourself because it looks like you're freaking cross-eyed. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't Look even, at the dot. I turn my phone around normal. I don't have it in selfie mode. That's, that's one of the best things you can do. I mean, you just have to trust. If you have a decent phone, anything in the last three or four years is already going to have face recognition anyways. So you don't have to worry about, is it focused, right? It's going to focus on your face. Yeah. It'll find that. So you don't have to worry about that. You have a better camera on the back of your phone than you do in selfie mode anyway. So your quality is going to be improved. Mm-hmm. And honestly, do you really need to see the little hearts bouncing up the screen <laughs> to be like, oh, my God, they like me. Oh, yes. my God, they yes, like me. Yes, we all do. <laughs> okay. Some people do. Remy does. Remy loves it when you like his face. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say this. We will do a very our best job possible to, I know a lot of this is pressing information for you, but I think your questions could trigger even better responses. So if you have questions about how to do online lessons, how to stream for your students, especially if you're a private instructor, send us those questions as soon as you can, and we'll try to make sure they make it into next week's episode, and I will help you out in any way I can. Sweet. All right, we've got an actual drum question here. <laughs> Bring it, because I've got 4% battery on this iPad before I just... All Shut right. this thing down. So we got one question. This is from um, Tice. Uh, during band practice, I'm asked to play with rods as a solution to keep the volume down. I'm looking for a better solution like muffling the drums and cymbals. Do you have any tips? I have to add that the acoustics in the room are pretty bad, very reverbed, um, and we are playing with a full horn section. So there you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> and he says, P.S., don't say play softer. Well, there goes my answer. <laughs> Okay, so let's say you can't play softer. First thing is you can treat a room very easy with just by hanging some blankets. I mean, that would just yeah, kill right. so much reflection. True. You know? And put some put some folds in those blankets, like squish them together. Um, I've seen people that make rods, almost like shower curtain rods with two C-stands that they take to band practice, and they just kind of hang them around the room to mm-hmm. kill the corner reflection. So you could definitely do that. That would help a lot. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't think that bundle sticks are the worst thing ever if you're just trying to keep it down. It just depends. I've, I mean, you and I have heard Carter uh, Beaufort play as loud as yeah. the drummer for Slayer with the rod. So <laughs> it's still up to you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think the question for me would be if that's the only way you rehearse with your band is with rods, what happens when you get to the gig and you're playing with sticks? Or does that just become yeah. the sound of the band as you using rods? Uh, that's because yeah. it you know that's going to change everything if if you've never practiced with this band full volume and then you go to a gig and you're expected to play full volume that could be pretty scary yeah if you're using uh the third version of our adjective swinging if you're just swinging for the fences <laughs> it's gonna be a problem so what let me ask you this i remember a while ago you reviewed some sabian symbols that were lower volume but not practice symbols. Yes, the FRX series. Okay. Would that those, be something to think about? Yeah, but those those aren't cheap. Those are the same price as like a normal okay. high-quality symbol. No, I just mean, I mean full-time. Yeah, they get rid of that biting kind of high-mid-range stuff that in small rooms is what drives everybody nuts with the symbols. They're, they're pretty amazing in that way because they just sound like symbols you don't realize it until a band starts playing you're like oh yeah all that harshness is gone it's just not there now if you also if you have a full horn section i can only assume that you're either swinging or you are in a funk group and you're shuffling so <laughs> if if you're doing the funk thing i totally would i mean Dawson's pick of the week you know 4000 episodes ago was these little clips and some tea towels, throwing some tea towels on the kit yeah, and on right. your toms, that's going to fit the genre fine anyway. So you're going to lose the volume, but you're also going to fit 
the sound of the music even better probably. Yeah, and you can even muffle up cymbals too. Like throw a chamois inside your hi-hats. That'll be a good solution. You can tape them up pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, and you said don't play softer, but ultimately. Sorry. You got to play, play softer. <laughs> My God! Oh, we were both we were both holding it back yeah. as long as we could. I mean, I know. all right. Yeah, so, okay. if you have any other questions, please send them. That's it, right? Yeah. If you're out of battery, let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> okay, we got two percent. We're fine. Uh, so, if you have questions on the streaming stuff, please send those in, and we will try to front them, front load them up to next week's episode. All right, pick of the week time. My pick of the week is you could do this with any of the pull-up bars, but the pull-up bars that go in your doorway, uh, you can use any of them. The best one that I've found, especially if you're starting to get into actual like gym fitness and especially CrossFit, is called the Rogue Jammer Pull-Up Bar. My only thing to warn you about with that is you do have to drill it into the wall. So it would be a good thing to put maybe above the doorway leading out of your garage or something you don't mind screwing into the studs of your wall. But this is like a legit pull-up bar. The reason why I would recommend this right now, most of us are stuck at home. When, Especially the ones that just kind of fit into the doorway. When you walk past a pull-up bar in your doorway, it's really hard. The little kid in you wants to do something on it. <laughs> right. So if you can just <laughs> squeeze in one to 20 pull-ups every time you walk <laughs> through that doorway, whatever your fitness level is, I promise it will be good for you. It's also a really good thing to just hang from and just allow your spine to stretch out. Like just getting a little, even have, if you live with somebody, sometimes I'll have Amber come up behind me. She puts her, uh, her hands in my lower back and just pushes forward and leans all the way into it. It's called a a lower T spine stretch. And it's just a good thing to do. So, uh, I think we could use a little extra fitness because we're all staying at home and Americans aren't, really doing the stay at home thing properly they're actually hoarding cheetos and cookies and they're just eating so it's not like you're gonna emerge from this thing svelte you're gonna emerge that's why we can't restart the nba season we're like they're gonna break a hip they can't just come out of hoarding and then just start playing the nba season these guys are gonna go down hoard so the rogue jammer pull-up bar you're looking at 95 dollars if you get it in flat black and it is a full-blown professional crossfit pull-up bar all right my pick of the week is an old classic the charlie wilcoxon book modern rudimental snare solos versus no rudimental swing solos that's the one I don't even know because the cover of mine is worn out. It's the rudimental swing solos. I go through those every day. It gives me something sense of normalcy. I can. I've been playing these things for thirty years. So, and they're and since they're swing solos, I'm assuming they are jazz. <laughs> they don't swing at all. That's the irony of this entire book. There's yes. one dedicated to Gene Krupa that you play with that sing, sing, sing feel. But everything okay. else is just rudimental stuff. Beautiful. But they're funky. They're they're. Some of them are really tricky. Some of them are really musical. So I just open it up to a different page every day and just see if I can get through it. If not, what's the stuff I need to work on? So it gives me good fuel to just keep my chops sharp. It's on my coffee table right here, along with my Vader pad and some big old marching band sticks. So the Charlie Wilcoxon, I don't know the name of it, rudimental swing solos. It's <sighs> definitely not rudimental it. shuffle solos. <laughs> Anyway, get your work on your chops. Do some pull-ups. Work on your chops. <laughs> Love it. All right, so who's taking us out today? We've got Ian. What's his um, his Instagram handle? Ian Hits Things. Ian Hit Drums. Oh, Ian. Ian, Ian Hits, hits Drums. Oh. Ian Hits. Ian Hits Drums. <laughs> I think so. Ian's hitting something. You all know who he is. He's a probably the best live drum and bass drummer I've heard. Um, it's all done with his hands and feet. So this is a track that he's working on with a buddy. He's playing a sugar percussion poplar kit with a 16-inch bass drum, 12- and 14-inch toms, a 14-inch mahogany snare. He's got some Zildjian Krop hi-hats, uh, 15s, 20-inch ride, 18-inch K-Con crash. So this is him doing his thing. This is Ian Hits Drums. That's it. We're out. See you next week. Boom! 1%! <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna hit
Thank you.